Hebrews 11 and Genesis chapter number 37 this morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? It's great to sing praises to his name. Someday we'll be with him for all eternity and what a day that's going to be. And I'm excited about that and I know you are as well. Uh, I forgot to mention Brother Raymond, our missionary to Lebanon, should be here on Wednesday night. Don't miss it, all right? He'll be an encouragement to you. And uh, don't miss that. Lord willing, he'll be here Wednesday. Thank you for those of you that prayed for us last Wednesday. We were in a Spanish-speaking church, and um, we sang hymns in Spanish. You see, did you? I tried. There's a lady behind me that was singing in my ear and pronouncing them their Spanish words properly. And Grace had told me, Dad, just sing in English. That didn't work. That didn't work. So I was trying to sing about Cristo and all of these things in Spanish. And then then the hard part for me, uh, many of you know that, you know, for me to stop, what was I thinking? What was I saying? You know, and uh, but we got through it. He told me that uh, that was only my really my third time. The first two times, one was in Mexico years ago. We were there on a mission trip and the guy that was uh, translating for me hadn't done it much before. And so his Spanish was a little weak. So we actually sat down while the rest of our crew was working uh, uh, 110 degrees. You know, they were working. We were sitting under a shade tree drinking Cokes, and I was talking to him about this message. And, and for the most part, I just ended up writing out what I was going to say then. And then, of course, the wedding. Now, you know, weddings, there's a lot of scripted stuff in weddings. Repeat after me. So that was not near the challenge. But I determined this, this with this situation that I was going to grow. <laughs> Boy, did I grow. I decided I'm not going to write out everything. We're just going to see how it goes. And um, it got me out of my comfort zone, and we got through it. And uh, praise the Lord. He wanted me to go for, <laughs> this is another challenge for me sometimes too. He wanted me to go for like 50 minutes. And so, uh, you know, 45 to 50 minutes. And so, you know, you figure with the, you know, the uh, translating there, it would be a 20 something. That guy was fast, by the way. He was, as soon as I, he picked up. And anyway, um, so we just turned to a lot of extra scriptures. Well, let me show you this other passage. But we got through it. It was a good experience. Thanks for praying for us. We're glad to be here. We're in Hebrews 11, and we're in Genesis chapter number 37. And let me say this before we read our scripture. A number of Wednesdays ago, I mentioned to you that probably the hardest issues that you will face in life, the hardest challenges that you will face when it comes to walking by faith, believing God no matter what, are going to be people issues. And uh, I have found that uh, when we look at life, people challenges are always the hardest challenges. People you look up to will often fail you. People you love at times will turn on you or forsake you. People you trust can mistreat you. And we've seen the divorce rate skyrocket. We've seen abuse, mistreatment in our society. Matter of fact, I was talking to a preacher a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that 150% of all women have been abused. You think about that. If statistics are true in this auditorium, it could be that a larger percentage than what we think might have faced abuse. We're talking about people, challenges. They can create huge challenges. Often we can find ourselves asking questions. Where was God in all this? Couldn't God have stopped this? Where were my parents in this? Maybe they could have done something different. Maybe I could have done something differently. We're looking this morning at the life of Joseph. 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 22, By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. When I think about Joseph, I see a man that didn't just believe God on his deathbed, but a man that believed God throughout his life. And I want to take some time this morning and look at Joseph's faith and look at Joseph's believing God no matter what, specifically when it came to the people challenges in his life. He had a lot of them. And so I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 37. We'll spend most of our time back here in the book of Genesis. We'll take you to a a number of passages in the book of Genesis. I hope you'll stay with us. And I trust that the Lord can use his word in our lives to help us to believe him no matter what, even in the biggest challenges that we're going to face, and they're going to be with people. Let's ask the Lord to meet with us, and we're going to dive right on in. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege to love you and to serve you. Thank you for singing, Lord. Thank you for the encouragement. Now, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us from your word here this morning. I ask, dear Lord, that you would accomplish your will in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I ask that when you speak to our hearts, we'd say yes to you. Lord, it's really a decision of faith to believe you in the midst of challenging people situations. Lord, we need you today, and I ask you to do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, we're in Genesis chapter number 37. I want to challenge us with this thought. Joseph believed God when forsaken. He believed God when forsaken. In Genesis chapter 37 and verse number two, we find out concerning the family situation of Joseph. The Bible says these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. We have any 17-year-olders here? All right, one back there. Is that you, Tim? There he is. So Tim's age. 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now we need to remind ourselves that Joseph had four moms. Rachel, Leah, Bilhah, and Zilpha. And we know, obviously, uh, uh, he wasn't born by all of them, but he lived in a home with four moms in his life. The Bible tells us in verse 3, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. The Bible tells us that Joseph was favored by his father. Well, you might think, well, I wish I was the favored child. That isn't the best in a family situation, especially when you got as many kids in this situation. It created a challenge for Joseph. We see that in verse number four. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And they hated Joseph. Joseph was really forsaken by the the, the brothers in his family situation. His own siblings, siblings that are supposed to be for one another and helping one another. And we're in this together, serving God together. His brothers hated him. And some of it, obviously, was due to his father and the favoritism there of the father. You know the story. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says his brothers wanted to kill him. Verse 18, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will see some evil beast have devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben, 
Obviously, you're familiar with the dreams. Reuben heard it. He delivered him out of their hands and said, let's not kill him. They would have killed him had it not been for Reuben. And the scripture says they sell him into slavery. Verse number 28, Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Imagine living in this kind of home. Imagine living uh, with the uh, abuse of, of brothers, with the verbal criticism. And no, there was not much encouragement in this home at all. Imagine Joseph coming and the brothers taking him and, 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 and saying, hey, let's kill him. Imagine what must have gone through his mind. He was forsaken by his family. But the Bible says this in verse 2 of Genesis chapter number 39. 38 is a story concerning Judah and Tamar. In chapter 39, we find Joseph now in Egypt. And the Bible says in verse 39, let's look at verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. He's in the house of Potiphar. Verse 2, and the Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Hey, his family had forsaken him. His brothers wanted to kill him. They sell him into slavery. And he finds himself near and now in, in Egypt, the pagan land. But the Bible says what? The Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. And the Bible says that all that Joseph did, God caused to prosper. And when we think about Joseph, Joseph was a man, though when he was forsaken by his family, Joseph was not forsaken by the Lord God. Joseph had kept his eyes on Jesus and kept his eyes uh, focused on what God wanted him to do. One of the hardest challenges in helping people, people that have been forsaken by others. We live in a world that's broken. Many individuals, if one out of two marriages is, is, is uh, uh, falling into divorce, we've got a lot of children that are growing up in homes with one parent, mom or a dad. We think about the marriages. We think about uh, challenges, as I mentioned already, with regards to, uh, uh, to abuse and all of the things that we uh, face. And, and, and what do we do when people forsake us? Many people turn on God. We were down here at a restaurant a couple weeks ago, and we met a guy that used to go to church. I used to be a Baptist, used to go to church. He's not anymore. Because someone shot and killed his brother, and what did he do? He quit believing God no matter what. You see, he got his eyes on circumstances, his eyes on something else, and got his eyes off of the Lord. And when we're forsaken by people, it is easy for us sometimes to forsake God. But we have to keep believing God. The Bible says this in Psalm 27 and verse 10. The psalmist said, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. In Psalm 68 and verse 5, God is a father of the fatherless. Hebrews 13 and verse 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And unfortunately, life is hard and life is challenging, but we must believe God even when we feel rejected and forsaken by man. Some parents will have issues with their children, or children will do things with their parents, and they'll say, I'll never talk to you again. Relationships have been dormant. 
for years and years and years and years. We must believe God no matter what when we feel forsaken. Number two, I want you to see this. We're in Genesis chapter 39. Joseph lands in the house of Potiphar, and we know that he, we, he has the blessing of God on his life. The Lord is with him in verse 3 and made what he did to prosper. And the Bible tells us then in verse number 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. You go down to verse number 13. The Bible says in verse 12, She caught him by his garment and said, Lie with me. And he left his garment in his hand and fled in her hand, and he fled and got out. And it came to pass when she saw that he left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, He hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us, and he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. You know the story. Cried with a loud voice. She spake the words to them that this man is doing me wrong. And by the way, Joseph believed God not just when he was forsaken. He believed God when he was framed. He was lied about. She lies about him, and she uh, 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 creates a a scenario that isn't a scenario. But wait a minute, but wait a minute. Where do we find Joseph? We find Joseph first in in, in verse number 9 when he makes this tremendous statement, there's none greater in thy house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Hey, Joseph is set up. He's set up, he's framed, and Joseph's eyes are still on God. He's still believing God no matter what. And where does it land him? It lands him in prison. And the Bible tells us this in verse number 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Look at verse 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Why? Because the Lord was with him, Joseph, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Oh, we look at Joseph. Joseph is still believing God. We don't find a Joseph in the prison saying to the butler and the baker, man, what'd you do? What'd you do? Can I tell you what I did? This wasn't fair. It wasn't right. I can't believe I got set up like this. We don't see Joseph complaining about that. We see Joseph believing God no matter what when he's lied about and his reputation is being marred outside there. Joseph is still believing God. I tell you, it's difficult sometimes. When we have interactions with people, not just when they forsake us, they reject us, but when they talk bad about us, when they say things that aren't true or aren't accurate. By the way, be careful what things we repeat. They say something and and you you just repeat it. And we don't, well, who said it? I don't know. You know, the the kid in the elementary school, you know, the 10-year-old, he said it, I believe. We have to be careful what we say. But I tell you this, probably every one of us can understand the pain of hearing something that someone said behind our back. And we want to do what? Sometimes we want to, we want to fix it. 
You know, we, we, I'm, 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 I'm going to go fix this thing. And sometimes God gives us opportunity to fix it, but sometimes you can't. You know, a lie will get all the way, someone said this, a lie will get all the way around the world before the truth can even get his boots on. And then you think about who told who, and you, you never can take back. When things begin to spread. By the way, we got all this. I, I, I'm not on social media, all right? So don't look for me. I'm not there unless I'm there with my beautiful wife who's on there slightly. There's a lot of stuff goes on out there. There's a lot of stuff that's said out there. And a lot of it's just not true. Rumors. But I'll tell you this. When you find yourself the blunt of people's jokes, when you find yourself being talked about... We can ask ourselves, why God, why did you allow that? Well, why do I have to put up with this? Hey, it's sometimes challenging to say, hey, I'm going to believe God no matter what people say about me. The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You ever feel like sometimes people got you in a box? By the way, let me say this. Beware of putting people in a box. You say, what do you mean? Sometimes, sometimes you feel like you're in a box and you can't get out. And they say, this is how they are, and this is how they're going to be the rest of their life. And you say, wait a second. Hold on a minute. There's no room for God's grace in that box? There's no room for me to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Hey, we need to be aware of putting people in a box, but we need to be aware when we find ourselves in that box to do what? To keep believing God no matter what. To keep doing what's right. You know, some people may spread something about you, and then you react, and then you don't quit believing God, and then you know what you do? You validate what they believed about you. See, I knew that all along. That's exactly how they were. You see, we can prove people wrong, if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord and give our reputation to God and do what's right. Hey, when we do wrong, we need to be humble. We need to admit it. We need to say, hey, I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? I didn't mean to come across that way. Or maybe I did come across that way. And I was in the flesh. Have any of you ever been in the flesh? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We've all been there. I have more respect for somebody that will come and say, hey, I'm sorry, I was in the flesh. Do you forgive me? I shouldn't have done that. Than to say, hey, I'm sorry, if I possibly could have maybe given you the slightest impression that I had a small little problem. You know what I'm saying? What we couch all this stuff? The reality is we're probably more in the flesh at times than we like to admit. But here Joseph is serving God. By the way, we don't hear Joseph in prison going, God, what's up with this, man? I'm serving you, and I end up in Potiphar's house, and, and now I'm here, so talking bad about me. What's up with you? We don't see that. Joseph's believing God, no matter what. He gets in prison, number three, and Joseph decides he's going to believe God when he's forgotten. The Bible says in verse 40, the butler... Verse 40, came to pass after these things, the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king. Pharaoh was wroth against them, and, and he puts them in prison. I guess Joseph wasn't complaining to them. They weren't there yet, but they're here now. And uh, they get into prison, and uh, you know the story. They have dreams, and Joseph interprets the dreams. Verse 12, 
And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me here in the dungeon. And the baker saw that the interpretation of the butler was good, and he gives him his term, uh, he tells him his dream, and Joseph interprets his dream. And basically, in three days, the butler's going to be restored. In three days, the baker's going to lose his life. And basically, what he says happens. And the Bible says this, look at verse 21, And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. He was forgotten. You ever been forgotten? Can you imagine Joseph there in the, in the prison? Like, hey, hey, listen, let me tell you the dream. By the way, I, I love Joseph's attitude. I love Joseph's walk with God. In, in chapter 41, when he comes before Pharaoh, he says in verse 16, it's not me, it's God. I uh, like what he says in, in verse 8, you know, God's the one that gives the interpretation of dreams. We see in Joseph a walk with God. But he says to the, um, to the butler there, hey, uh, remember me, I didn't do anything wrong in here, man. When you get up there and you have Pharaoh's ear, could you tell him, hey, there's a guy down there in the prison that was there for, for no reason at all, and the guy forgot him. Imagine how that is. Well, maybe day one he's thinking, oh, it's only been a day or two. Maybe three or four days. I won't need a call. Pretty soon they're going to come down and tell me five a week, two weeks, two years. He's forgotten. Uh, he didn't do anything wrong. He deserved to be out of the prison. He's being treated in an unfair way. Boy, we can get bent out of shape pretty easily. I mean pretty easily. We can get bent out of shape. The story comes to mind. It's not in the notes. I'll share it. I know I've shared it before. Assistant pastor, Indianapolis, coming down the aisle. Remember Brother Davis, coming down the aisle, shaking hands. I get to Brother Larry about halfway, and I think, oh, i got to get this service started. I lost track of time. And I come up here, start the service, and we sing, and after the service, I have offended the guy in front of Larry. See, how did you offend him? Well, I was shaking hands with everybody. But when I got to that guy, I didn't like him too much. And he wasn't as important to me as the guy behind him was. And so he was offended. Oh, we get bent out of shape very quickly. The reality is he didn't have reason to be offended. We had to explain the situation. Joseph did. He was forgotten. By the way, when he gets in charge, this is just a thought you can take, take, think about later. He didn't do anything to get back at the butler. I mean, he's about to change positions. He's about to go from the prison to the palace. He's about to be over the butler. And we don't read anywhere in the scriptures. Joseph got back at the butler for forgetting him. We'll look at that in a minute when we look at our, at our next thought. 
You ever felt forgotten? You ever felt left out? You ever felt like you got the short end of the stick? You ever feel like everyone else is getting blessed but you? Everyone else is a good family situation but me. Everyone else drives a new car but me. Everyone, you fill in the blank. By the way, sometimes we have to recognize, and God was doing it here, that God's doing a deeper work. Martha and Mary said to Jesus, Lord, where were you? We had been here, Lazarus hadn't died. They felt left out. They felt forsaken. Elijah's in a cage, cave. He's in a cave. What are you doing here, Elijah? Oh, I'm the only one left, Lord. And, and everybody's forsaken you. And here I am in a cave. You see, we can feel forgotten. By the way, God never, God always sees your work and labor of love that you've done in his name. He's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. You know, we think about that. We have to recognize that, hey, when I feel forgotten, when everyone else is asked to do whatever they're asked to do, and, and they seem to be in a better position than I am, I have to do what? Keep believing God, no matter what. Keep believing God, no matter what. That's what Joseph did. Number four, Joseph goes from the prison to the palace. And we find him in chapter 41, in verse number 39, Verse 38, Pharaoh has a dream in that chapter. You're familiar with it. And he says, hey, uh, uh, come. And, and Joseph comes and he interprets the dream. And, and uh, Joseph emphasizes God. You see it in verse 32. Uh, as things established by God, God's going to bring it to pass. Verse 38, can we find a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is. And Pharaoh said, verse 39, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou. Thou shalt be over my house according to thy word. Shall all my people be ruled? Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Number four, Joseph believed God. And sometimes I think it's more challenging in this position than it was in the other positions. But Joseph believed God when he was famous. You see, he got promoted into a high position, a position that gave him, as I said already, authority over the butler, a position, by the way, that gave him authority over his brothers. You remember the brothers? They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him, they want, and they threw him into slavery, and he's where he is. Why? Because of his brothers. Look at chapter 41, though, and verse number 51. I want you to see that Joseph kept believing God. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Look at chapter 45, go over a page or two, chapter 45, when he reveals his identity to his brothers. Where is his focus again? They come near, they're kind of sheepish. They, in chapter 50, then when, when, uh, when Jacob dies, boy, they're really kind of afraid. And he says this in verse number 5, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Look at verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance so that it was not you 
that sent me hither, but God. You see, Joseph communicated to his brothers, look, I'm not out to get you. Joseph understood that vengeance wasn't his. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We read that in the book of Romans, chapter 12, and verse number 19. But Joseph, when he had a, a, an opportunity to get back at those people that hurt him, he didn't take advantage of that. God had done a work in his life. And God can do a work in our lives. Sometimes we forget where we've come from. You remember what Samuel told Saul? He told Saul in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 7, Saul, when you were small in your own eyes. See, in 1 Samuel 15, as the king, now he's disobeying the word of God. Hey, we see the same thing in the life of David. God brought him from being a shepherd boy to the king. And God said to David, when David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he murders Uriah. And God says, hey, if you needed something else, I would have done it for you. He forgot where he had come from. And we think about Solomon. Solomon said, hey, I'm but a little child. I need God's wisdom. And we find Solomon allowing the women to turn his heart from the things of God. And he's far from where he ought to be spiritually because of why? Because of his fame. But not Joseph. You see, Joseph believed God even when he was famous. You hear of the old foxhole decisions. You know, people are in battle, at war, and the bullets are coming. Say, Lord, if you if you deliver me, man, I'll I'll be in church every week. Lord, I'll not get away. I'll read the Bible, and God delivers them. And they start out maybe just a little bit reading their Bible, going to church here and there, and forget. Hey, we can be just the same way. God, if you'll help me through this situation with this individual, it's making my life miserable. If you'll help me, God, I'll serve you. I'll be in, 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 in church. I'll read my Bible. And God delivers. And sometimes in our fame, when things are going good sometimes, we quit believing God. Number five, and lastly, Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 22, we're going to Genesis 50, but Hebrews 11 and, and chapter, Hebrews 11 and verse number 22 is where he exercises faith as we see in, uh, in Hebrews 11. The Bible says in verse 25 of Genesis 50, and Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. Joseph believed God, number five, when feeble. As prime minister of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, Joseph was invested with honors of that office, given Pharaoh's signet ring, and could have had the opportunity to be buried in a pyramid. He could have had a popular burial, a famous, what we might say, Egyptian burial. But instead, he chose a coffin. Why? Because he believed the promises of God. Someday you're going to be slaves in Egypt. 
but someday God will deliver his people from Egypt and bring them to the promised land. And when he does, would you carry my bones up? Would you bring my coffin? And would you bury me in the promised land, God's land of promise? He's communicating to them, by the way, that God would be faithful. We won't won't take the time to look at it, but in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 19, you'll see that when they left Egypt, they took Joseph's bones with them. People challenges are very difficult. And the devil will use people challenges to get you off of the ground of faith. One of the most convicting stories, I've shared this years ago, concerning dealing with people is a story about Corey Ten Boom. In this story from 1972, the author of The Hiding Place recalls forgiving a guard at a concentration camp where her sister died. She says this, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, she has a flashback. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, she said, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses. Listen now. A huge room with overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy was her sister and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. And this man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. She was talking about forgiveness in a place and this man showed up. And this man walks to her and he says, how good it is to know that you say all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. He said to her, you mentioned Ravensbrook in our talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. She said, no, he did not remember me. He said, but since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips. Will you forgive me? She said, as I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven could not. Betsy, your sister, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. And you know what that was? It was to believe God with a people issue, a serious people issue. I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift up my hand. I can do that much. You're going to have to do the rest. 
And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arms, sprang into our joined hands, and then with this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole, brain, my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Why? Because you made a decision to believe God no matter what. Earthly friends may prove untrue. They will. Doubts and fears assail. One still loves and cares for you. One who will not fail. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. May God help us in the people challenges that come our way. When we see or feel forsaken and, and forgotten, you know, we, we feel, feel like they're talking about us. May God help us to believe him no matter what. He will not fail. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we love you today. Lord, I thank you for the life of Joseph.